0: Minnesota Opera's <laughs> podcast about classical music, opera, pop culture, all of the wonderful things in the zeitgeist that are affecting people of color, queer folks, disabled folks. And this is a very special episode, a very exciting episode. Why? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because Tell for them. the first time, we are in the
1: same room.
0: <laughs>
1: We're sitting around the same table. We're all together. It's ex- so in exciting.
0: It's so <laughs> crazy. This
2: is also my first day in the office. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah, ten months into the job, this is my <laughs> <laughs> first day in the office.
0: <laughs> so how's it going?
2: So far, so good. The team has been in rare form today, <laughs> and it's been a very, very good thing. So I'm super happy to be here, to be wearing shoes while I talk to people.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm not like super excited not to be wearing sweatpants or gym shorts. But, yeah. You know. Yeah. I have to actually
1: think about my outfits now. It's so weird. Not just my top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like there's
0: so much more laundry in my house like oh, after man. last week just in oh, the past god. week yeah, yeah, and i was
1: like oh i actually have to wear this again like soon mm-hmm. so i should wash it mm-hmm. oh like <laughs> like it's a whole we're thing back to, yeah a whole thing. yeah and
0: i have a very angry cat oh uh, yeah that's gonna be a thing right oh my god she's so mad <laughs> <laughs> like last night I got home And so she likes to sit On our little screened in porch mm-hmm. And when I used to come home from work in the before times like (laughs) Dennis would have to be in the kitchen around the time I would come home because like she would see me and she would immediately try to run outside and invariably like I would have something in my hands like you know groceries or something Mm -hmm. and like I'd have to drop the groceries all over the place (laughs) and like go run after her and so like he knows like around the time that I come home. He's in the kitchen so he can catch her. Oh, huh? very <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and so yesterday, we I, I get home. She's in the window, like usual. And he's not paying attention because he's not used to, like, no, we have to go back to <laughs> like, <Yeah>. 2019. Like, <laughs> 2019 rules <laughs> are back in effect. Um, yeah. And so I, there had been, an, like, an Amazon package. And so I'm trying to, like, keep her inside with the Amazon package while opening the door. And then he, like, finally noticed that, like, I'm, like... Struggling. Struggling, (laughs) like, engaged (laughs) in mortal combat with the cat. And he comes over and just, like, quickly grabs her and puts her inside. Oh, no. Oh, no. She... (gasps) she did not like that oh, at all and she went downstairs into the basement and started screaming and screaming <laughs> little <Literally. and> screaming <laughs> <laughs> to the point <laughs> that i re- like went downstairs and was like honey are you okay <laughs> and then she peed on a chair <laughs> oh. Oh, That's how just, wow. like, startled and upset she was. And oh, it's just like, them. I know, I know. <laughs> I, felt, I felt like the worst dad in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but pour went out for your pets, y'all. <laughs>
1: it's okay. My my dog did a similar thing. I got home from work, and I wasn't paying attention to her soon enough, I guess. So she walked away, like, fine. And Oh. peed on my ba- on my bedroom
3: floor. Uh, oh, wow. Floor. This...
1: Yeah. Oh, In wow. my room. I was like, oh, this was personal. Like... Yeah. <laughs> what
3: is
2: this urinary warfare? Like, what is this from?
3: <laughs>
2: now I'm nervous to go home. <laughs>
0: but you know, you're so close. I, I am. We did True. the commute this
2: morning. Yeah. It took a whole, I think, two minutes. Yeah, yeah so I could swing by. Although last week... We were in Virginia, my sister got married, and for those of you paying attention on the podcast, this is a different sister who got married the last time I said this, and if you're still paying attention in November, it'll be an even different sister who gets married then that will be my sister-in-law. This has just oh, been a year, wow. a year, okay. a year yeah. of weddings, very expensive, but when we got back, um, Professor McGonagall, our cat, was <laughs> livid like she we hadn't gone anywhere mm-hmm. in a year especially not both of us and we were gone for 5 days oh. and when we came back she was not talking to us you know and she <laughs> actually had her back to us she was like standing in front of the window like back turned and I was like oh this this is new <laughs> I guess I'd be mad if everybody in my house went on vacation and left me there. I mean, I I guess, but like... (laughs) She's
1: like, since clearly we're not family, I'm just going to ignore you. Like, we just live together. We don't don't associate. We're not friends. We're not friendly.
0: Yeah. (laughs) The last time we went on a, a trip, We had one of our neighbors come in and, like, just, you know, feed her and look after her, pet her, play with her, whatever. And, like, the first two days, she was just like, um, yeah, she just seems really depressed and like sent us a picture and she's just like on her pillow by the Aww. window just like splayed out like, <laughs> like some Shakespearean like hair like Ophelia just like <laughs> dropped into the river just like girl get yourself together you are a cat it's fine <laughs>
3: Oh
2: animals, I think it's only until they realize now that we're really back at work, they have the houses to themselves again. Mm. You know, I'm sure my cat is going to be on the counters and doing all the other things she's not allowed to do when people are home. That's right. mm-hmm. So
0: that's, that's it. Right. And you would think that they'd be excited about that.
2: They probably are and are just playing us, right? They, they <laughs> yes. know how our emotions work. They're like, oh, well, let me get something extra out of this yeah. by yes. being melodramatic. Yes. Cats are like husbands, so. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it's not untrue. I <laughs> pulled that one myself a couple of times. So.
0: <laughs> well, so we are back from our vacation. Mm-hmm. Did either of you do anything exciting with your lovely week off?
2: um other than the wedding which was super exciting um it was great to see people uh, my sisters are identical twins which is part of why they got married so close together the other part of the reason is of course covid the threw off the wedding schedule but it was good to see family you know and it's actually good to like leave get on a plane pretend like we were going somewhere exciting it was just in rico county virginia not exciting but it was good to be in a place But the thing that was so nice is when my other sister got married in March, it was masks, no huggies, you know, kind of bumping elbows with like your great aunt, like stuff that doesn't even feel natural. And this time everybody was vaccinated. So Mm -hmm. and they got married at a winery, which is completely my ministry. So like it was (laughs) fantastic. And, you know, because my sisters are twins, it was the same guest list, more or less. Right. The same you know sorority sisters aka Skiwi who were in both (laughs) weddings so like it was it was just nice almost like a do-over so to speak in terms of being able to interact with people so yeah it was that was my um my week and also I want to say really quickly Last week when we were on vacation. Sorry, last week I was on vacation. Two weeks ago when we all were on vacation, <laughs> I discovered Legendary on HBO. Oh, yeah. Had not oh, seen I it. I haven't
0: yet. seen it.
2: Everybody's got to watch it. It's, <laughs> it's like my new favorite thing. I'm so obsessed. I've been duck walking around the house. For those of you who don't know what it is, it is a ball competition show. It is fantastic. It's so affirming. It feels yeah. so good. You see so many... Beautiful, talented people, and I want everybody to watch it.
0: Yeah, my friend Melina, my dear, dear friend, shout out Melina. Um, she has been saying for months, because it's on season two, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, since episode one, season one, she's like, yeah, need to watch this show! <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I'm just like, another streaming service? That seems like a lot, but yeah that's the thing yeah Yeah. it is that's
2: how they get you (laughs) have one show on it you really want to see and next thing you know it's eight dollars out of your check hello
0: Paramount Plus
1: yes
0: (laughs) all because of
2: All Stars All Stars I'm just like
1: wait so what's the difference between this and cable again I thought I was trying to reduce my cost so instead of one cable package I have Seven subscriptions. Right. Okay. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> right. And right
2: back up to paying sixty bucks a month or something. Yep. So and we
0: have a cable package and all of these streaming services. So it, it doubly <laughs> doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> it super doesn't make sense. <laughs> Especially now with like so many of these channels, like they're putting all of their content on the streaming mm-hmm. service. So like mm-hmm. now it's just like Guy Fieri. And Chip and Joanna twenty four seven on the actual like <laughs> cable that you pay for. Yeah, guy
2: is literally on every show, like every every, show. every single show.
0: Everything. I mean, shout out to him. Yeah, I mean, he's got his
2: kids on there too. I mean, I mean they,
3: they <laughs> figured something out. They figured
1: it so out. Secure the bag. <laughs> <laughs> well, then there's also like the aspect of more arts organizations or like Mm -hmm. art specific streaming Mm -hmm. services too Mm -hmm. or the more like niche like film like independent Mm -hmm. or like vintage films and so between all of that I just I just don't know what to do because now I'm like okay wait I'm a theater person I'm a music person I like all of those I feel like I feel obligated to (laughs) subscribe to something like that like I should right so I mean it's great that everything's available online and like including performing arts now but
0: It'd be nice if there was some sort it's of overlooked. bundle option or something, because... It would be.
2: Because <laughs> <laughs> these people are taking all my little money.
0: I mean, not even just, like, financially. Just, like, my time For a simple reason. <laughs> <effort. laughs> <laughs> like, like, come on now. <laughs> Well, there's so many things going on in the world. Um, it seems as though. <laughs> I, I know that I am taking my ashwagandha. Twice a day to keep my <laughs> anxiety at bay, because um, everything's on fire. Yes, Maryland, or flooded, and or flooded. Or flooded. Delta variant is uh, flaring up all over the
2: place. And did y'all hear about the new one? Is out. Lambda, yes, yes, what? yes. Oh, Sigma from south- <laughs> <laughs> the fraternity <laughs> sorority. <laughs> come, they're all gonna come get
3: us, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh.
0: yeah. It's just, too- yeah, Alpha Delta Lambda, they're coming to collect our souls. Um, which is just too much, too much, yeah. And of course, you know. All of this critical race theory. My yes,
2: goodness. It yeah. <sighs> it, it's so depressing how, how easy it is to weaponize things in this country, right? Mm-hmm. There's, like, whole concepts. Like, you know, I, I feel like I was just starting to make my peace with how people were using climate change, like, as a political wedge. And then, like, this critical race theory came up and having been an FM major twice in in two different points in my education, like it's really alarming that people are literally using a theoretical framework as being like this this point to to talk about, you know, a victimization of of whiteness that's actually not happening. And it's just (laughs) very, very curious because you watch people. I started watching, speaking of streaming services, the Black News Channel, just cause, mainly because I like mm. the name. And Mark Lamont Hill has a, a show on it. And I sort of miss hearing academics argue with each other about nonsense. <laughs> and he's been doing like a thing sort of every night where he's arguing with, you know, people about critical race theory. And the kinds of things that people are ascribing to critical race theory that have nothing to do with it, it's, it's kind of astounding
3: mm-hmm.
2: and uncomfortable that people who don't know and don't care aren't willing are, are actually willing to, like, go on television and talk about something they know that they don't know what they're talking about. He had this young <laughs> brother on, a young black man, I think 18, who was like a dyed-in-the-wool Republican, um, major Trump supporter. Ew. And uh, Interesting. I, <laughs> I, mean, I wish that y'all had been in my living room about two weeks ago when I was watching it because I needed somebody to help me get back together because he was just going in about it. And there was one point where Dr. Hill said, Can you name one critical race theory text? Just one since you're so against it. And he, you know, would pivot every time. And and you know, Mark was like, Hey, you're young. It's okay to say I, I don't know any and I just don't like this thing. He was like, I'm not gonna say that. But he was still willing to argue against it. And I was like, where you need to be is in somebody's class somewhere learning something and not arguing against things that you haven't read yet. Like the the whole thing, it's just, it's Ooh. profoundly upsetting. And it's one of the few times I actually have missed being on a college campus because this would be a great semester to be teaching African American history again I, and I disabusing people of all of the confusion about what is really a very important tool for understanding American history. And one day when I want to bore you like really intensely, I will go into a lot of detail about why I think it's, important that we make more space for these theories for intersectionality for any number of other things that are really designed to help us understand our own positions in society better like that's really all
0: it is so i mean you wouldn't <sighs> be boring me <laughs> <Not at all. laughs> because i mean i just find it fascinating like you know as we mentioned with the wildfires raging all over the place with europe under ten feet of water with oh my goodness, yeah, you yeah. know mm-hmm. vaccinate or unvaccinated folks, like flooding ICUs and hospitals in numbers we haven't seen in months that we all thought we had gotten past. Didn't just we? imagine being an elected <laughs> official and thinking that like Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech being taught it to elementary students is like the biggest existential right. threat that right. we as problem. a right. as a society right. face. Right. Like what? Like <laughs> I just don't even understand like what we're even doing.
2: <laughs> no, no, I think that's a I think that's a very good question. What are we doing right now? Right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like like how is this risen to be of all the problems we have? Like how is this the hill on which to die? Like that's the piece that I'm really lost. I I really am lost on it.
1: I don't know if it's that we get distracted by the little things that do not Uh, matter. And and maybe uh, that's intentional that we get distracted. And also because these little things feel like a little bit maybe easier to grasp than something like climate change Uh, or world hunger or.
2: Mother Nature <laughs> trying to expel us <laughs> by <laughs> <No> <laughs> warming or any Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that's a great point.
0: Yeah. Or just the idea that like, you know <laughs> I just you know, that white supremacy will kill us all. <laughs> <laughs> to sum it up <laughs> I mean I don't know how else to really put it or just that like instead of just being asked to just like recognize that there is a through line between the yeah. atrocities that were committed upon black and brown bodies you know hundreds of years ago and there's a, a direct through line to the injustices that are being um, you know put upon us today For um sure can can you just like recognize that and maybe like do something about it? No, <laughs> I'm gonna put on this American flag shirt and go down to the school board meeting and scream about something I don't understand for an hour. Like it just it, I it boggles my mind, but. <laughs>
1: And meanwhile, who's just launching himself into space? Girl.
0: In a penis-shaped rocket Girl. on top of
3: it? <laughs> I cannot.
0: When they were saying that it looked phallic, I was like, oh, so it's kind of... No, no he went up to space no. in a Hitachi magic wand. <laughs> <laughs> like, what?
3: <laughs> no. <laughs>
2: and then turn around and gave Vanjo a hundred million dollars to distract us from that fact I'm going to keep my most recent opinions about Van Jones to myself because I'm still trying to get Chris Cuomo to invite me on his show but I will say this I am not pleased there are lots of things to do with the hundred million dollars what we could do with them at Minnesota Opera's impact department. Do you know what we could do with a hundred million dollars? <laughs> it would be the best kids operas anybody's ever seen <laughs> anywhere <laughs> ever. But it it kind of goes to me to like the broader point about distractions. Right. And how people just sort of bring up things to sort of distract from any number of other things that they're doing. Right. And all of a sudden one person's, good deeds are supposed to erase any number of other things that are happening in a given moment and i think that's a a thing that i'm glad more people are pushing back on
0: well enough enough amazon
3: (laughs) things that are making my head explode (laughs) because we
0: have some good news in in the opera classical music world concerning folks of color very very excited you know first and foremost um, you know, here at Minnesota Opera, um, our Chief Artistic Officer, Preeti Gandhi, who we love, um, was just recently announced as the new Artistic Director at Portland Opera, and yeah. yay! Yeah. Amazing woman of color, Artistic Director at a major opera house Mm-mm. here in the US of A mm-hmm. and we could not be more proud of her and so excited for her, for her new endeavor. Absolutely. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, and she's just been such a, just a delight to work with you. So yeah. I'm good. So mm-hmm. I, I think we'll all miss her terribly. Oh, very much. But this is. But so happy. I Absolutely.
2: This yeah. <laughs> the point of the exercise Yay. of, of positions like ours, right. To sort of create space right. for things like this to happen more frequently, hopefully, regularly. I'm Mm -hmm. super excited. I love Portland Opera. I have had a chance to see a few things there, and it's a fantastic company, and she will be a huge asset to them, and I think this will be a wonderful experience for her as well. We're so excited for her.
1: Yes, I'm so excited to see a woman of color at the the helm Mm of a company, Mm -hmm. someone who is just compassionate and has done so much already I mean here I I can I mean across her career in general but I can speak for here and the changes that we've seen with with casting with just the intentional like inclusivity of uh, the artistic department and that just radiating and people noticing it in our community and We're we're gonna miss you, Preethi. We're, so we're so excited! And yes. I just
0: I hope she's really proud of, yeah. of what she's accomplished here because yeah. she, you know, we we would not have been able to come as far in our work. Um, without her at the helm of the artistic department. So, for sure. Shouts, shouts out to Preeti. Preeti. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> a toast. A toast. Yeah. I, I don't have anything to toast with. But... Ooh. With my can of sparkles. Next water. time we should bring like champagne or we something.
1: Totally we, Ooh, champagne. we should have. Can oh, oh, well. yeah, we good. had a sound effect here? Popping, popping, bottle
3: popping for... bottles. Popping <laughs> <for laughs> bottles.
0: <laughs> and then there's also. Corey Dastor, am I saying that right? I think so. Dastor,
3: maybe? Dastor, yeah.
0: Um, um, who recently uh, been appointed the new general director and CEO, I believe, mm-hmm. at Houston Grand Opera, oh, which is Grand nice. Opera of Houston. Grand, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Another favorite company is. of mine, and yes, I recently met her, work. and she's absolutely lovely. There's a mentoring program through Opera America. Um, Actually, Preeti is also participating in it, and I had a really lovely conversation with Corey the the day the news came out, and Mm -hmm. she was so so excited, and that excitement was absolutely contagious. And I am so excited that there is yet another woman of color leading a company in Texas, which is kind of amazing that now there are at least two of them. And also adding Preeti's news that this is a feels like a bit of a watershed moment for the field so
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely yeah it's that's huge like yeah. ap- across performing arts in, in general like it, we were having similar conversations with just like theater and when i was working at regional theaters about you know, diversifying in mm-hmm. staff, but mm-hmm. just how much progress still needed to be made yeah. in leadership. Yeah. And so to see it happening in like both spheres or all spheres, I feel yeah. like all over, you know, the art world, it happening. So,
0: yeah. Yay. I mean, in and, and, and such what feels like, I mean, it feels like, you know, inside my body, like a very long time. Yeah. But I, I recognize <laughs> mm-hmm. that it's... A, like, a, a relatively very short period of time oh, for all of this progress absolutely. to be made. I mean, I remember when I first started here at Minnesota Opera, I was one of three full-time people of color and the mm. only black person mm. um, on staff. And just... You know, now we've got both of you. Mm-hmm. We've got Lee you on leadership mm-hmm. with Preeti. We've got, like, so many people of color now, so many more people of color in staff positions mm-hmm. on our stages, like, going out there into the community. Like, and the work that we are actually putting on our stages is actually reflective of that. And it's just, like, it's just so yeah. exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of work that is being put on stage, From over hello. in the UK, um, yes. Femi... Uh, I don't know if I'm gonna get this right. I'm so sorry if I butcher this. Femi Elufuwoju Jr. Did that sound right? The Jr. Definitely right to me. did. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. That's how I it. <laughs> Femi Elufowoju. Elufuwoju. Femi Elufuwoju Jr. is set to make his debut as the first black opera director at a major UK house.
1: Isn't
2: I mean, first of all, that this is the first, and it's 2020, is a little surprising. Yeah. However, yay! <laughs> <laughs> so you will yeah. be uh,
0: directing uh, Rigoletto at Opera North. Uh, that's super. Ex- next so year? exciting! Mm-hmm. So I mean, we're just we're just doing
1: it. Yeah, we that's really incredible. Are. Given how many pe- black people I know to be in the UK, like, yeah, yeah, uh,
3: yeah. yeah.
1: Well, congrats to you! Yes, yes. breaking yeah. those <laughs> barriers. <laughs> Absolutely, yes.
2: And hopefully not at all the last one.
1: Oh, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Be many, many more, May, and there soon, will, and, there and soon, <laughs> and there will be many, many more. Because, like,
0: as we continue to push forward, as we continue to, you know, do more productions like *Anonymous Lover* that's coming mm-hmm. up here at Minnesota Opera. Black directed Carmen, mm-hmm. which is super exciting. Can't wait. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As mm-hmm. all of these, you know, incredible things are coming to fruition, then like more people are going to see them, and then like more, you know, young people are going to be like, "Oh wow, that's a thing that I can do." Cool. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then they're going to go do it because yeah. now that door is open. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. what happened for me. So I. Hope to see it happen for many, many, many more black and brown children. Absolutely, in my lifetime.
3: Absolutely.
2: However long any of us has, given what Mother Nature's
3: doing, (laughs) oh Lord, I (laughs) I need more (laughs) ashwagandha. All
0: right. Well, <laughs> let's all take a breather, and we will be back with our very special guest, Yay. our friend and colleague, the amazing Rebecca Blackwell. Wow. Yay. Yay! We'll be right back.
2: Yeah. I've always wanted to say that. Um, You've said it many times. <laughs> it's an ongoing desire for me. Okay. Um, so today we have as a guest our colleague Rebecca Blackwell. Yay!
3: Welcome. Thank you Welcome, all for Rebecca. Me.
2: Thank you all for being here, all of you. This is awesome. Yeah. It's like a really, really fun staff meeting. <laughs> <laughs> So Rebecca is going to share with us quite a bit about the programs that she's running on behalf of the company. And I will say just a couple of things about how we arrived at this point. When the Impact Department was created, it was with the idea that the education programs that we have should really be conversant with the basic values of inclusion, diversity, equity, and access, and then charging us to think about what that looks like in a classical music context. And Rebecca has been an invaluable thought partner in terms of reframing what these programs are and how they could be and bringing to them a real facility with social and emotional learning and just the experiences of being a, a young person with the desire to learn and perform music. And we are really, really grateful for Rebecca's partnership on these things. So I would love to turn it over to her and have her share some of the things she's been working on and why they are important to the field.
4: Sure, yeah, thank you. And if, uh, when, while I'm describing these programs, if you have any questions, or comments to add in, please feel free.
0: Um, no, you don't have to tell us. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Amazing.
4: Um, it's, it's been an honor to join the three of you um, and some of our other education folks to create this larger impact department. And uh, for me personally and professionally, but personally, having my values, my philosophies, my pedagogy feel more in alignment Uh, with my work is, it's really rewarding. Uh, And I think sometimes in in certain situations, you can find yourself working in a way that doesn't align with you, your personal values. And that's a day-to-day struggle. So it's so lovely to come to work and feel so energized and rewarded um, and the direction we're going. Uh, So I had previously been in charge of running a lot of the youth programs so whether that's our library programs for kind of two to seven years old or our after school music program music out loud which is geared more toward middle school and i've helped out with some of the high school and college programs as well Um, and through this redesign of the department uh i and because of covid you know things like (laughs) yeah. Things were naturally on pause. A lot of our programming is really hands-on. It happens Uh. in large spaces with lots of people. So there were things that we could put in the virtual realm, and there were a lot of things we could not. So things were on pause, COVID, (laughs) some restructuring within the company. Uh, It was a great time to go back to the drawing board with some of our programming and say, what are we really trying to accomplish here? and i think for education departments at arts organizations maybe some people would say oh this is this is a department that's serving the company by going out going out into the community and introducing people to opera mm-hmm. and i think that that's an important thing mm-hmm. so i think you can look at it there and say how are we introducing opera to people in the community but then more importantly how are people receiving our programming and and that's where i would like to spend more of my time i have been spending more of my time what is this programming for you not for us Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. so one of our programs that we're in the midst of kind of rethinking right now is is our library program stories sing and in the past what that has looked like is a teaching artist usually a singer but they you know have experience with teaching um as well would go into a library with a children's book. Usually the children's book was actually about opera. Uh, they would read and, and insert singing into the story for young children and their caregivers. Uh, and then there would be some kind of craft or activity. So that's kind of a general structure uh, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. I think it's great to be in library I mean, settings. It sounds fun to me. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah it's really fun. Um, so I think, you know, that's it's a great structure of a program, and we wanted mm-hmm. to keep that. And being in libraries is really exciting because you're not necessarily getting people who are looking for a musical experience. So you're catching people who are looking for programming for their young children. Mm-hmm. And we have the opportunity to say... Here's here's what we do. What do you think about that? You want to be involved in that? Uh, but the problem for me was in some of the stories we were looking at for the programming. Mm-hmm. And as you might imagine, some of the children's <laughs> books about opera <laughs> are somewhat problematic, mm-hmm. and I could they imagine. yeah <laughs> yeah right uh, and and actually convey stereotypes. I don't think any of us in the field want to. To perpetuate, like the mm. the woman in horns, mm-hmm. that's such a specific yeah. kind of opera mm-hmm. that people already have in their heads, and yeah. that's a that's a stereotype that keeps people saying, "I don't know if that's for me." That's this weird thing over here.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'll be seeking that out. So well, there's this way it's, uh, white nonsense? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Vikings. <laughs> I don't know about yeah. yeah, so uh, I think. Uh, the stories themselves are important like what what are we sharing with with the the participants and their caregivers to have them say yeah that's for me that's something that i see myself in mm-hmm. that's something mm-hmm. that feels special to me it speaks to me uh, and I think a lot of those books weren't doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were also some racial and some gender problems in some of those books. Oh. I know, I know. So, here in America here in America, 2021? Yes, yes, yes. Oh my God. Yeah, and, and, and not written that, that long ago either. Yeah, so yeah. we were we were kind of thinking, how do we how do we put forth content in this program structure that's great but that the content itself is working better for us, for them so I talked with Lee I talked with the team Uh, what if we commission a piece so we are actually from the creation of the content saying here are our values Mm -hmm. Um, here's what we want the story to be about let's create it ourselves we're not um reliant on what's already published out there what's problematic we're just creating it because we know what our values are and that's what we want to put out there and then more specific yeah <laughs> i'm really excited about it yeah and and more specifically what does a child in a min- minneapolis st paul library
3: mm-hmm.
4: what's going to grab their attention what's going yeah. to feel special what's going to feel mm-hmm. representative so we uh have a wonderful creative team working on this project. It's going to be an eight to 10 minute musical story, very similar to the miniatures initiatives. Okay. Um, I know that have been discussed and hopefully all mm-hmm. all of you listening have checked out. You can continue to watch those. Uh, so a musical story that's filmed, reflective of the different communities here in the Twin Cities, the wonderful, wonderfully diverse culture and music and art that we see right in the story itself. Uh, so it will be a song story, uh, instruments as well, and then we're incorporating shadow puppetry as well. Oh my gosh. Yes. Wow. And yeah. I know Lee is a fan of puppetry. I am a human yes. muppet. <laughs> <in many ways. laughs> yeah. So all of these ideas coming together, creating a piece, uh, and we were able to Uh, four of the artists who worked in the first round of our miniatures project last year um, Andrew Young Wan Vu uh, Asako Kiribayashi and Rebecca Nicholson so we were thrilled to be able to uh, reconnect with these artists and have them work with our education team and in the process of uh, reaching out to them and learning more we found out all of them have some kind of educational background (laughs) Uh, so right. y- whether it was, uh, teaching artistry or, um, Rebecca Nicholson had, had worked with Sesame Street. So
3: there were, there were all of these yeah. connections. Oh,
0: yeah. okay. it's like You have a connect. I told you I was a monkey yeah. <laughs> You yeah. can
3: live out your dreams. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. You... Go live, go live in Big Bird's Nest. Yes. <laughs>
4: yeah. Yes. So lots of, lots of exciting experience and perspective there on that team. Uh, very, they were all for very interested and in kind of diving in. And Lee and I had hoped, proposed to them, that the story could be including themes about diversity in action, uh, cultures, racial diversity within the Twin Cities, um, sharing identity. In community without kind of losing yourself like
3: mm-hmm. h- how does that mm-hmm. work like mm-hmm.
4: here's here is my identity and yet we're all mm-hmm. together i don't need to um i don't know i don't need to lose myself mm-hmm. in the process of connecting mm-hmm. to the people around me
0: yeah. mm-hmm. and um, i would think especially like in the last year you know what the kids in this community have seen mm-hmm. and heard mm-hmm. and absolutely about, you know, to be able to just feel seen and heard. Mm. Um, it's just so important. Mm-hmm. i I'm to be so important. It's so no, important. No, it, is. <laughs> it, is. But it, it is. is. But it is. But it is, you know. Yeah, and,
4: and this kind of racial... Conversation has to start much earlier. The, ding, the kids ding. themselves mm-hmm. are already experiencing exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's and what people don't get. Yes. They're already feeling yeah. this and seeing yeah. it
0: and hearing it exactly. yeah. and learning these lessons.
4: Exactly. So, for them, even at such a young age, to experience art that is diving into that conversation, that probably actually makes them feel much more settled, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. they're experiencing all of the tension that adults are. But mm-hmm. adults aren't letting them discuss because the adults the adults are insecure, they're uncomfortable, um, mm-hmm. and projecting mm-hmm. that on the kids. Like, oh, you know. But we need to allow kids to talk about this mm-hmm. um, and understand this and grapple with this. And it is it is developmentally appropriate for them to be thinking and talking about these things. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: So this reminds me of when I was um, at children's theater, and at the time I was a teaching artist. And actually a dual language Spanish class. And we had like a similar kind of in school, like thing using a story. And mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. we all acted out or they put their own spin on it. Um, but we did a story about, that was based on Somali kids living in the Twin Cities. And these students were so curious and just so engaged, probably the most engaged I had seen them with any story mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. they had seen and experienced it like, obviously living with the somali like community all around them their classmates their friends and islamophobia too mm-hmm. so like the issues that the hate side of it so i'm so excited to hear about this because like it's better when we treat them like the little humans they are and like, they need absolutely. explanations yeah. they want to know why yeah. so <laughs> yeah
3: absolutely
4: and uh just a little, a little bit about the libretto. Uh, this is still in yeah. is still in the creation. Yeah, I was going to, to have <laughs> yes, like yes. Rebecca Nicholson is the librettist for this project, and and she's wonderful to work with, and just beautifully creative. I love the way she thinks and approaches her art making. Um, so there, there is a community garden, and there are uh, kids of different ethnic backgrounds who are coming mm-hmm. together. I think uh, at this point, a Somali a kid, a, a Hmong kid, and maybe...
2: I think she's Afro-Latina.
4: Okay, yeah, Afro-Latina, yeah. yes, yes. So uh, they're bringing their their different flowers, representative of their homelands, to this garden and, and sharing them and talking about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is such a beautiful representation of the different... Uh, very large ethnic communities within mm-hmm. the Twin Cities. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, and then how we all come together again, not losing yourself and your story and your family and your culture story, but bringing that together to understand one another yeah. better. Um, and and what comes out of that? I love the imagery of a garden, of a growing flower. Mm-hmm. Um, that that are differing identities don't separate and divide us but when really when we're really open to one another and we share that something beautiful is created from that how we approach it it, it's not necessarily division you know it can be something beautiful
2: but only if we sort of indoctrinate young people yes (laughs) to that belief yes early absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. so let me ask you When can we expect to see all of this beautiful (laughs) puppetness? Yes, so
4: as of now, the release date for that video is February 2022, Mm -hmm. although I think we're hoping to capture some of the behind the scenes of the creation to release a little bit earlier.
2: Sounds like a mm. wonderful birthday present for me. Yes, happy birthday. <laughs> we'll give you a little uh, uh, <laughs> a birthday puppet. Yeah. <laughs> to, to
4: go to <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it'll, it will be posted on our website for everyone to see just like the miniatures videos. And then it will also be taken out into the community, into libraries, where the participants will get to engage in the music making, in the puppetry, and... Um, to touch and explore the performance with the with a teaching artist actually uh, performing with the video as a compliment. Oh, so there will be okay. the kind of version that's online that's a full performance and one where the teaching artist sings live with the students. And I to kind that. of Yeah, it's yeah. really exciting. And and that that particular component Having been a teacher who lived through COVID, I will, <laughs> I will never approach program planning, curriculum planning without thinking of this hybrid. What happens if we need to go back online? Mm-hmm. What happens? How do you design your program from from the onset to be uh, versatile in, in both the in-person and virtual space? So mm-hmm. it's exciting yeah. to think about. It really is.
1: Yeah. 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 Cool. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about like your background and like <laughs> and what led you here, and especially being interested in, in arts education, music education, and and the equity side of it. What you're doing now?
4: Yeah, thanks, Paige. <laughs> uh, So I grew up in Kentucky. I'm a a long way from home. I know. I will say. Right
0: next door to the two of us. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Our our trajectories are are parallel.
4: Um, I did grow up in Louisville, so a fairly large city, but i think moving from kentucky to new york i found out quickly that accents southern accents uh (laughs) it's like two two groups either the people who uh are somewhat condescending patronizing think it's charming (laughs) yeah or there are the other people who just dismiss you perceive you as undereducated So I, I quickly could have worked that out. I don't mm. think it was super... <laughs> it wasn't super conscious at first, but I was sensing people's reaction. Um, and I do think now it's fairly gone. I'm starting to get some Minnesota O's, though. When my Kentucky family hears
3: me speak, they're like, what? I, I what do has it, happened I to do you? It, I do it, too, sometimes. Yeah. Not, the, not, the like to not the O, but the, but the, the A.
0: Oh, like bag. bag.
2: Yeah. Big bag. Bagel. bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Am I listening away. to my future? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. It sneaks in. It sneaks Yeah. So
4: yes, I. Um, yep. Grew up in Kentucky. I went to a performing arts high school, which was a very formative experience. Wonderful. Um, spent one summer at Interlochen, which was oh, another. Yeah. Okay, Wonderful experience that opened me up to the arts, the industry, and then a, a lot of people, uh, peers and teachers across the United States who are doing this. And I decided this is what I want to do. So uh, I pursued a an undergraduate degree in I. It ended up being vocal performance, but I at various points I was music education, doubled mm-hmm. with vocal performance, then I went just music education, then I back to doubling then to vocal (laughs) performance. So I always had this education component, um, but I was pretty sure I didn't wanna teach in a classroom. Mm -hmm. And most music education programs are to teach you how to teach in a classroom. (laughs) So I uh, backed out of that uh, to to focus on vocal performance because I wanted to dive into the art. Mm -hmm. I, I was very interested in the art making process and didn't want to be in a classroom. But along the way, uh, I did have some great experiences working in the education and music education field. I started as a tutor at a tutoring center in New York for a, mm-hmm. a tutoring company, private tutoring company. I won't name the name because... <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this kind of thing, mm-hmm. very, very, like, corporate franchised. But mm-hmm. it was a job. I was a tutor, and I loved working with the students. And I was working... Mm-hmm. I was working English, math, science, so not necessarily music, but I'm, I'm passionate about all forms of learning, and I loved it. Uh, and my boss was opening a franchise location in the East Village, and he asked me to manage the center. Uh, mm, so at okay. a very young mm-hmm. age, <laughs> I went from tutor, part-time tutor, to almost full-time manager while I was an undergrad. And I think that's where I really started to explore mm-hmm curriculum and program development I started getting very interested in pedagogy Um, and at the same time at NYU I was taking a a course in the sociology department about the history of education in the United Mm. States so there was a lot and tutoring managing this private (laughs) franchise (laughs) so for a bunch of East Village kids (laughs) so that's there was a lot that I was seeing that maybe I didn't see in Kentucky. <laughs> I can... <imagine>. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of learning, a lot of shaking up of my experience and my perspective that was much needed. Um, and even though I was teaching in this kind of corporate franchise, you know, there were workbooks that you assigned in very sequenced, very methodological ways um, I was creating my own kind of ancillary programming and um, bringing <laughs> bringing kids in and practicing arts integration in those subject areas because that's what I love and I think the arts should be everywhere all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. also where I got very interested in arts integration. So kind of sped up, I uh, decided to pursue a master's in vocal performance. Still a little unsure of where I wanted to go, but so drawn to vocal music and and wanting to continue exploring that. Uh, So I came to the University of Minnesota here in Minneapolis. I studied with Adriana Zabala, who sings very Mm, frequently with Minnesota opera. Yeah, yeah. Um, So that was one of my first connections. Shout out to Adriana. Yeah, hi. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, And I uh, had a teaching assistantship uh, directing for opera workshop. Mm -hmm. And then I discovered my love of directing, (laughs) but directing is very, very similar to teaching in a lot of ways. Um, How do you communicate things to people, ideas to people? How do you kind of motivate or inspire uh, either performers, students to kind of take this thing and run with it? Uh, so I was drawing a lot of parallels between the teaching and directing. And I thought maybe directing was what I wanted to do. I was still doing teaching too and performing. I loved opera. I loved choral music. I love art songs. So I had all of these things in the general music industry that I was having trouble deciding between uh, what I wanted to do. Uh, but then I started doing a lot more teaching artistry for the opera, Minnesota opera, and I loved it. And I think that was what I was searching for when I was originally thinking of that music education degree. The arts mm-hmm. education, but not locked in this public school classroom. Right. You know, yeah. arts education, free and exploratory, <laughs> no, no testing, no, you know, how can you really use the arts to help transform lives, um, to, to have students express themselves, to be used for healing Uh, and thinking about my personal journey as an artist. I got into art because I didn't feel accepted in other spaces. Mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily feel safe in other spaces. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I came to this place that made me feel so whole, so connected and I kept going and kept Mm -hmm. going and kept going. And when I think about the whole journey, I go back to that as what is most important to me now and then, and what I hope to facilitate for the students and participants that I work with, um, that they have a place of refuge, that they have, um, art as this tool to share themselves with other people for connection, for healing, for growth. And I think that more than anything is, is kind of why I am where I am right now.
3: That's beautiful. Yeah, it is. Wow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so do you have any, you know, memory or experience um, during your time teaching um, or here at the opera that has been like really impactful um, you know, when it comes to well, really anything, you know, upholding all of those values that you just talked about?
4: Yeah. Okay. So I, was, I you know, I was racking my brain as you're saying that and then one
3: like, do I? Do I? <laughs> of course, there are so many lovely ones. And then
4: one just immediately jumped out at me. Um, the year, the program year leading up to COVID, so I guess 2019, I was lead teaching in the after-school music program, Music Out Loud for middle school. And I was teaching at Falwell Middle School four days a week after school. So if you want to get to know a kid, that's a good way to do it. <laughs> after school, they feel... A lot more free yeah. mm-hmm. um, yeah. they have more space the rules aren't quite as tight so I got to know students really well and I had been a teaching artist not full-time at the opera but a teaching artist two three years prior to that and I had been working with these same students so at that point I had been working with some of these students three years multiple days after school for the whole program year really close relationships um, and there there were several students that i felt very deeply connected to those older students that i had uh, multiple years and you know, we were getting getting into a uh, rehearsal the into the rehearsal process for Little Mermaid
3: Junior. <laughs> <laughs> they were very excited. Very excited. Part of that yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We should have cast you. <laughs> <laughs> all, all middle schoolers and then, and then just be <laughs> <and laughs> <very laughs> <old. laughs> No, actually
0: I wanna be Ursula. Yeah, I I mean, okay. That's <laughs> the part you yes. want to be. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah
4: so they were about halfway through the rehearsal process. They were doing wonderfully, wonderfully. I was so proud of how far they had come, especially in comparison to past years. They were really pushing forward, um, very focused, very committed. And then, I don't know, maybe March 17th.
3: Oh, right. We, oh, uh-huh, right.
4: Yeah, we were told that there was going to be no more school. <laughs> uh, they said, you know, we'll we'll kind of come back after spring break. <laughs> I was like oh okay gotta to adjust to the rehearsal schedule okay. okay but it's okay but it's okay everybody because they're way ahead um, and just seeing all of the personal growth and transformation you know casting as a middle schooler you see some potential yeah. put them in a role and then mm-hmm. they, they step up and they do it and you see all of this growth and it's so magical so I'm witnessing all of that from several students, <laughs> dozens of students <laughs> and I'm like okay Fine. I'm very optimistic that we'll get get back right after spring Maybe push the performances off a week. And of course, you know how 2020 developed, and that was not the case. And we went from seeing each other four days a week to nothing yeah. in the middle of a in the middle of a show. Wow. And you know there were there were students that I worked with where you know this after school program, this musical, that was their home. That was their safety. That was their... These were their people. Um, And it was so heartbreaking to know that that was ripped away from them. Mm. That they they would prefer to be at school. They'd prefer to be in after school. And now they don't get any of that. Mm. Um, Mm. And, you know, they don't have cars. They don't... As a middle schooler, you can imagine what that might be like. (laughs) So... That I think that was difficult for a lot of those students, and there was really no way for me to check in on them or see what was going on. Um, even their teachers were were finding it difficult to to get them to log on to online school. They just wouldn't hear from students or families for mm. ten, twelve weeks at a time. Wow! Oh, goodness. oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. I think that wow. was you know common common experience with yeah. with certain yeah. schools and districts. Uh, so. I had no idea what was going on with any of them. And it was there were nights where I was really kept up Um, I feel like I had the inside scoop on their lives and how they were doing, how things were going and then nothing. And I maybe three months into the pandemic, I was out grocery shopping with my partner. Everyone's in mass. And I saw a student that I was like, that surely cannot be the student. Because she was about two feet taller. <laughs> but you know how middle school, you know how middle school goes. So I'm just, but and, and the mass too, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. What? And I'm just looking like, and then she looks at me and she's doing the same thing. We're like 15 feet away. We're like, is that, is that? And then she said, "Miss Rebecca.
3: <laughs>
4: and it was one of the students from Music Out Loud. And, you know, no, no, you know, no, no touching or anything. So how are you doing? Uh, It's so good to see you. Tell me, tell me about what's going on. And she was just frozen and she just started crying. And I, uh, you know, her family was kind of looking at her. My partner was behind looking at me. And it was just like this moment of what is going on? Um, And I said, okay, I think it's okay. So we had a hug in the middle of Target, um, and it was it was heartbreaking to know that this to to see just how the mm-hmm. pandemic had affected her, and how it had ripped away this special special thing for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also heartwarming to know that the relationships we were building in this program were lasting, mm-hmm. that this was meaningful mm-hmm. for our students. Um, yeah that that their relationships kind of transcend it's not just some after school thing but right. you know as a teacher you c- you can have that impact if you take the time to really develop relationships with your students
1: mm-hmm. i'm going to cry <laughs> <laughs> i forgot we were on
3: the podcast yeah <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: I I feel like the only way we can follow that up is with the game.
0: <laughs> oh yes. I almost forgot. We're gonna play a game today. Another another edition of um, Ready. Yeah. One, two, three, fire, fire that cannon! cannon!
3: We'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Welcome back, America. It's time to play America's favorite pastime (laughs) (laughs) the game Sweeping the Nation. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Fire Fire
3: the the Cannon! cannon! Yes!
0: (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> or I could put actual music, I guess, underneath it. Uh, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> yeah. I am your host, Rocky Jones, and I'm here with. Three wonderful contestants. Lee Bynum, how are you doing today?
2: Hello, America.
3: Paige
0: Reynolds, how are you doing today? I'm swell. (laughs) And Rebecca Blackwell, our special guest. How are you doing today?
4: Very excited to be here. Oh, we're
0: excited to have you. (laughs) Everybody knows the rules to fire that cannon. We take a, a look at a popular opera in the repertoire, and we decide... Can we perform this opera responsibly uh, in 2021? Because I don't know if you've heard. <laughs> <laughs> but some of the the operas in the canon are are
1: problematic. A smidge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Keyword, responsibly. Keyword. <laughs> Keyword.
0: So I will throw out an opera. I'll give a quick synopsis. And then... We all will discuss and decide whether we keep it or we fire
3: that (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: gotta gotta keep up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the first opera we're going to tackle this week is Porgy and Bess, composed by George Gershwin, libretto by DuBose Hayward, and Ira Gershwin. Uh, Premiered in 1935. Porgy and Bess tells the story of Porgy, a disabled black street bre- Black street beggar, excuse me, living in the slums of Charleston, a.k.a. Catfish Row. It deals with his attempts to rescue Bess from the c- clutches of Crown, her violent and possessive lover, and Sport and Life, her drug dealer. Who wants to start? <laughs> Do we keep it or fire the cannon? Ooh, these faces... Of consternation.
2: Maybe we'll start with our guest. <laughs> <laughs> there's no right answer? The question? <laughs> no right answer. Well,
4: I think, you know, there's a lot of discussion about this particular <laughs> opera right now. And as there has been, um, obviously it can be an opera when produced that hires a lot of black singers. Um, and... Mm-hmm. Maybe you all are the better people to speak on this, but you know, that's problematic when that is the job of a singer to sing Porgy and Bass Mm -hmm. over and over. You know, (laughs) is that like limiting for someone's career that they're not able or don't feel able to explore other things? Um, Not great. Uh, And then I would say Gershwin, as a white person, very interested in telling a black story. I don't know.
2: Well, you know, for me, uh, (laughs) yes and. um, I find Porgy and Bess to be super boring. And I don't really like that the score casts people and then doesn't allow them to sing in ways that their training has prepared them to sing. Mm -hmm. I am not crazy Mm -hmm. about all of the rampant stereotypes. And one other time, I will say it is boring. It is very long, and there are two stretches of about 40 minutes each that I, I find to be endlessly repetitive. And the last time I saw it, um, despite the fact that I had a lot of people I know and love in the production, about 45 minutes into it, I was cheering for the hurricane to win I oh. just oh. to yeah. enjoy poor and um, yeah it's not it's not a favorite of mine
0: so I guess that's one fire of the cannon yeah. I'll even
2: load the cannon this time
0: <laughs> alright
1: you know I might hand you the match for that canon because (laughs) (laughs) I tried, I tried to love the whole opera, but I just couldn't. I had the same, I thought it was just me when I, the first time I saw Porgy and Bess. I was, but that same, it's probably the same 40 minute stretches that we're we're talking about, but I was like, this could have, this could have been this, an email. This, this, could, this could have been one or two ads. <laughs> <laughs> this could have been an email, or this could have not been w- written by a white man. Or there's just all kinds of different ways <laughs> where we can have something different than what we have now. But I mean, as Rebecca said, I respect that it, you know it has this place, and that it you know when it happens, all these black singers get to work and. Can we just create other things that do that? Mm-hmm. How about that? That's yeah. that. yeah. that. I mean, that, that's an idea. Let's that. <laughs> <laughs> like the Black Panther of operas or whatever. <laughs> like, oh, I'm ready. Or like a few a few of those in rotation <laughs> instead of Porgy and Bess.
2: Absolutely. That's yeah. Absolutely. Porgy has had its day. And mm. I've seen a lot of productions and you know, being a black person trained in black history who works in opera, I've written a lot about poor Game Bass and it's I it's just a no. Can I also <laughs> just say
1: that for me as a black woman, Bass is mm-hmm. very one dimensional uh-huh. like yes. her name is in the title, but she's made one of the like most forgettable characters. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It just, like, centers around her trauma but not her as a person mm-hmm. yeah. or, like, yeah. 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 I, I think we have a verdict. So I'm, I'm hearing two definite
0: fire the cannon. Oh, yeah. And I'm, a, I'm, and a, I'm, uh, yeah, fire it. Fire right, it let's away. Let's do it. Let's yeah. fire the cannon. Let's do it. I have to find that sound effect. <laughs> 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 All right, so we're going to go to our second and final opera of the day, uh, which is Giuseppe Verdi's Aida, librettist Antonio Ghislanzoni. Huh? I like it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's my specialty. <laughs> if you like some <laughs> It premiered on Christmas Eve, 1871. Aida is an Ethiopian princess held captive in Egypt in love with a general, Radames, and he with her. When he is chosen to lead a war with Ethiopia, we follow the conflict of Aida's love for both Radames and for her country. Do we keep it? Or do we fire the cannon? I'll start with you, Paige.
1: I keep it with stipulations. <laughs> 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 with some guidelines. No more white Aidas. That's it. Okay. What about, wait,
4: wait. Okay. What about uh, on an
2: One more time for folks in the back of the room.
0: (laughs) I think we just got our our episode title. (laughs) Uh, uh,
1: That's it. Yeah. Just no more white. Every Ethiopian I have met, personally, has been black. Pretty much. There may be there's probably non-black Ethiopians out there somewhere, but they're sparse. Right, and And they
2: can't always be Aida. Like (laughs) (laughs) that's not how that shakes out. No, no.
1: So yeah. Well, well, okay, okay. Actually, in my in my world, it's not just Aida. It's anybody who's part of her posse, her crew, her squad, her nation, Mm -hmm. whatever. No more.
0: (laughs) Your facial expressions are taking me out. (laughs)
1: Because I feel very strongly about it, but I'm trying not to cuss.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The score director's cut. (laughs)
3: Late night (laughs) score.
2: I'm with you, Paige. Um, I like Aida. There's a lot of, that I like about it, and it's an opera I would love to direct. Um, so if anybody... That's
0: a, that's a
3: big job.
2: It is a big job. and If anybody's got the budget and is looking for somebody to pull you together, an old nasty piece of Aida, please reach <laughs> out to me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Um I think it's a very interesting work. I have a lot of ideas about it. I have seen not very many satisfying productions, and a lot of it has to do with how it is cast. And then also like some of the weird Orientalism with like, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah, they it's put together in a curious way. And I think if, you know, we're really sort of thinking about what we know of the time and sort of ethnic migration patterns and who was living where, when I'm not convinced that Aida and Amneris would have looked different. Right. Mm -hmm. And what, what kind of production is that, you know? Mm -hmm. So there are lots of things that I would be interested in seeing with the piece. But I don't know that I need to see another like all white Aida.
1: I feel mm-hmm. like your Aida mm-hmm. would be fierce. Yes. I think so because yeah, I also
2: I have so. sketched out a couple costumes. <gasps> oh. Is it
1: Whoever's yes. listening and has a budget, yes. there we go. Yes. Yeah, what can't come on. You do? <laughs> have our email dance.
3: Uh, uh, uh,
4: <laughs> okay. now, I'm in, now I'm interested. Now want to see that <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, like you're like on the ones and threes, or you just you're you're oh, nowhere.
3: Oh no. No. <laughs> 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 I, I mean,
2: I, I am firmly on the two and the four. <laughs> Um, but the the flexibility is not what it used to be. Okay. Yeah, when I was duck walking around the house, it was a very quick thing because those knees kicked in, and I was like, okay, my oh. my dancing days are over. At
0: least you got down there and you tried. Yeah, I
3: sure did. <laughs> you, you gave it the old cut, <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca.
4: Okay, I have to admit, I was a little surprised we're not firing. It doesn't sound like we're firing this cannon, so maybe the the uh, thing here is responsibly, right? What's the casting like? What's the mm-hmm. direction like? Of course, under Lee Bynum, it would be incredible. So I'm, 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 I, you know, I, I am intrigued by this. You know what? What can we do with Aida to, to to tell this story responsibly? I think at the end of the day, I'm still a little hung up on. Uh, who wrote and told this story Mm -hmm. about two countries in the height of 19th century imperialism. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a story about Egypt or Ethiopia. That's a story about Europe. Mm -hmm. And decontextualized with these stereotypes, the Orientalism, as you're mentioning, that's still perpetuating... Oppression, uh-huh. you know, it's uh-huh. it, like in the, a, at that time, uh, Ori- Orientalism was used to you uh, promote imperialism to make other countries vulnerable to imperialism by um, putting out these stereotypes, uh, and I think that Aida does a lot of that, and Italy occupied. Ethiopia in the twentieth century. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like, what did, what did that art serve historically um, in terms of oppression? And you can't art. You know, there's this like art doesn't have to be political. Why are you making it about race? You wrote an opera about race for political purposes. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't. <laughs> it's it's such incredible like societal amnesia yeah. that we can yeah. put up yeah. Aida and say, I don't understand why we need to talk about these things. Yeah. So, okay, I won't fire it, but I think <laughs> any anyone putting up this this opera needs to dig deep into that conversation and understand the origins of this storytelling.
0: Okay, so, yeah. two snaps for I'm now. so glad that you sort of brought that,
4: Period. because yeah. I always kind of feel like
2: the that moment sits very uncomfortably i think especially for the the italians with like the battle of adwa and like menelik and tetu and the fact that italy in its you know aspirations of being able to colonize ethiopia had 99 problems right mm-hmm. and and i feel like <laughs> that is also for me part of why it's interesting right what how can we use it as a commentary on this failed colonial experiment mm-hmm. But I really like what you said, and I want to sit with it and and spend even more time thinking about imperialism than I already do, because <laughs> <laughs> it, it does rear its ugly head in our art mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. times, right? Yeah. And what are we yeah. supposed to do with that? You right. know,
1: I do wonder, how do we feel, or how would we feel about a production of Aida or understanding of Aida where it's not through this same colonial gaze and maybe, like, for instance, it actually recognizes that Ethiopia is in Africa. (laughs) And doesn't try to make it its own, act like North Africa is its own continent or, like, Europe Jr. Like, the... (laughs) So what about an Aida that, like, I feel like maybe that starts there Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. would be real different. And, like, looking at it through the lens of, like, Black or, like, African women's leadership would be much more powerful. Mm-hmm. I, You're welcome for whoever I gave that nugget like, to. I love all of these ideas. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is fascinating. Yeah. When
2: uh-huh. we get this hundred million dollars from Bezos, we are going to make a production.
3: <laughs> We're going straight to the moon.
2: I
0: was going to say, in, the <laughs> in a Hitachi magic wand. <laughs>
3: oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> that, that goes on the director. <laughs> So it sounds like we're
0: going to keep it for now. With <laughs> some guidelines. Yes. Yeah. Hey, Paige will write down the guidelines. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. We'll be there'll, be some, there'll be some rules going forward for anyone who wants to produce it, but we will keep it for now.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining us for another edition of Fire, Fire That, that Cannon! Can! And we especially want to thank you, Miss Rebecca Blackwell, Yes, thank you so much for for being with us. This was a blast. Was there (laughs) anything while we still have you that you want to promote, put out there, make sure that people get their eyes and ears on?
4: Oh my goodness. Well, I will say I am singing in the chorus of The Rakes Progress with Mm -hmm. Lakes Area Music Festival
3: for any of you Mm. Minnesotan
4: folks who want to travel to Brainerd in August. It's a fun little. Excursion, see some Stravinsky, and lakes. <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't get enough of those. <laughs> land of 10,000. Okay.
0: Well, thank you so much, Rebecca, yeah, for sharing all of your knowledge and wisdom and stories with us. Uh, we had so much fun. We and did Can't wait to do this again.
2: Yeah, That's uh, extra fun in person. I, yes, know. I know. I don't know what it was before. But. <laughs> <laughs> and we
3: will be right back with
0: All right, and we are back with. Our favorite segment and yours, pure black joy, is peanut butter jelly time. butter jelly time. Our PB&J, our little snack for your soul, where we talk about uh, things that black people are doing that are making us feel joy. Um, so I don't know, for me, I don't know about you all, but I, you know, we talked about, you know, Paramount Plus earlier, and I have to say... <laughs> That stealing my friend Melina's password and username has been the best thing that I've ever done, <laughs> because I am thoroughly enjoying Drag Race All Stars. It is, the, mm-hmm. I think, it's probably the best All Star season. And so I just want okay. to thank Mother Rue. <laughs> and I also want to shout out Raja O'Hara, yes. Acuria C Davenport, yes. and Trinity K Bonet <laughs> for that Beyonce performance. That Can we should talk have about won. it?
2: Can we talk about that? I'm still upset. I promise I wasn't get upset during this pure joy. Or
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm upset that she didn't win, but I'm. I feel joy that I experienced it. Yeah. Um, because it was yeah. a beautiful performance. Yeah. She, I mean, she, Beyonce, the house. She really like. Yes. I. It was. I Wallace. mean, she she was Beyonce. Yeah. I have never seen anyone who is not Beyonce be, be Beyonce, Beyonce to that extent. Wow. Yeah. It was it was amazing. Yeah. And then she did not win. No, she didn't. Huh? Yeah. No, she didn't.
2: So the challenge.
1: Either they weren't paying attention, or they don't realize she, how hard it is to actually look like Beyonce doing Beyonce. It,
2: it has You have to, to be a be special person. It, it has to be that because the performance... Oh, they
1: didn't see Homecoming or something or like they miss Lemonade or like they don't understand that if you emulate Beyonce like... And you do it well. That's some type of like demigod status. Or something. <laughs> like it's a few... Not many of us. <laughs>
0: it's true. It's true. You know, she did... She, she lost to Jan and a very... What I thought was a rather mediocre I, Lady Gaga. I, there was no parts Russia. of Gaga in that odd I, I didn't quite understand. Yeah. What, like, cause she put her leg on the piano? Like... <laughs> I am not now. And she, like, had, like, a claw hand?
2: Yeah. It, <laughs> I'm not feeling the jantasy. And I don't think I'm going to. And... Instead, let me just refocus on the the pure black joy part. <laughs> Trinity black has been anger. doing so well this season. It's like RBA righteous black anger <laughs> about drag race because everything going on in the world. This is still where my like passion is right now. Um, but yeah, all of all of those girls have been doing great, and you know, they're. There have just been so many great moments. There have been a lot of great lip syncs, Mm -hmm. Um, you know. And I have to give a special shout out to my girl, Eureka. I have been a Eureka fan for a minute, and I have enjoyed her this season. It's been good to see Ginger Minge back. It was great to see Jiggly for like two minutes. I'm just, I'm happy with this season. And I, thank you, Rue. You know, like this Mm -hmm. is exactly what I needed to get me through the doldrums of this hot, disgusting
0: summer. And this weird, you know, it's nice on Fridays to, like, just have this little Mm -hmm. oasis of just Mm -hmm. glitter and magic (laughs) and, you know, fun and excitement, like, during, like, whatever this is, this Delta nightmare fire... racism. <laughs> this hellscape that we're living in. Um, but also, you know, and Trinity, uh, she came close with the that lip sync with Laganja. She,
3: I, I
2: enjoyed Trinity more. I mean, like Laganja was doing flips and splits out of the, the rafters. Yes. So like that, that was what that was. But like, I, I, I'm
0: just, I've been pleasantly surprised with Trinity. Me too. Came, came I feel like
2: name. she's a special kind of most improved mm-hmm. from her season, and also, I will admit, I was sleeping on Raja during her season, mm-hmm. and every one of her looks has been great. I mean, Akira is always great. And so, a, like, I mean, Akira
0: is just yeah, just everything and beautiful. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think she's getting her due, but it feels like she's <laughs> on the come up. Yeah, certainly. So that's exciting.
2: Yeah, if y'all aren't <laughs> into Drag Race All Stars this season, please get into it because it has been. A really fun experience. And if you are paying for the WOW app with uh Rue's non-U.S. drag races, there the Espana one should end this week. And that has been pretty fun.
0: Has it? Because I stopped after, like, the third episode because it, like...
2: Well, I will say this. I have never minded watching somebody just body... Everybody else and Carmen Farala I, I mean, she's wearing she is like, them
0: like head and shoulders yeah, above the rest of the competition. I mean,
2: I would just pack my wigs and go home. Like <laughs> I don't know what they're doing, but she's been a joy to watch after the letdown that was Australia.
0: The Australia was disappointing. It was
2: wiggity wiggity whack in the parlance of the mid '90s. Like yes. it gave me. <laughs>
3: so, the- but
0: it's funny because I was. Again, talking to my friend Melina. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be the Melina episode. <laughs> Hi, Melina. I love you. Um, and she was saying, anyway. know... If legendary is like Saks Fifth Avenue, then mm-hmm. like once you watch that, then like Drag Race feels like Marshalls, and I <laughs> no, no. and I was <laughs> and I was like, well then Drag Race España is like five below. Or like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll concede that (laughs) I mean I'm just (laughs) saying (laughs) Well my only pure black joy Is uh, trying Haitian food For the first time About a week or two ago I don't think I've ever tried Haitian food It's so good I I you, maybe you can tell by the tone of my voice that it was a spiritual experience. Okay, what did you have? Um, So it was on my way home from uh, you know our vacation week. I was in Michigan and I went through Chicago and stopped and had lunch with a couple friends from college there. And just want to try something I can't get in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. So I said, I've heard Haitian food is so good. And I go in the shop and first of all, I know... Is gonna be good when they're not mm-hmm. immediately there to greet you right away. Mm-hmm. That's how I know. Because, and there's a logic to this. And let me tell you, white people, y'all got a problem with leaving like bad Yelp reviews and Google reviews and stuff when stuff like this happens. But let me tell you, I know that they're not at the front because they're back there making, making that food, the food. delicious. Right. They're back right. there helping uncle or auntie right. or grandma or whoever make that delicious fried goat that i've had
3: mm. it was like
1: dry rubbed like kind of like a crispy situation but not tough <laughs> like for, even for goat meat like it was it was it was tender and like just well spiced mm-hmm. we got me and my friends did the style where, you know, we just add order whatever we want and share it. So we got three different types of rice, honey. We got, like, white rice with some type of black bean sauce over it. We got one thing that kind of looked like pilau, but I'm pretty sure y'all don't call it pilau in Haiti. And then another thing that reminded me of dirty rice. I know y'all don't call it di- dirty rice in Haiti. <laughs> but it was all delicious. And oh, okay. stewed chicken to... Um, uh-huh. There was some type of pork dish that I cannot remember what it was called. I got to look up the names of everything. Y'all, I do not speak Creole. I don't speak (laughs) French. I don't speak any of it. I am just a fan. a supporter of everything (laughs) that Haitians have done in the realm of food and art and culture and liberation. So thank you. Three cheers for Haiti. Thank you. (laughs) And I spoke to a lovely older woman who uh, recommended, told me what to get on the menu. She lamented about the upheaval in her country Um. and gave me sage life advice about uh not staying where you are not wanted she Mm -hmm. said that's the lesson Mm -hmm. that the president didn't learn and i'm not here for i'm not here for political commentary (laughs) at all but she was just like there's been a lot of unrest and like once you see things are dangerous she was making it into a life lesson for me and and was like you know don't stay where where you're not wanted just just go you can you can go and i was like oh, thank you ma'am i mean that's
2: a gorgeous lesson
1: it's it true. was, it was, I hate the circumstances that she had to tell me about it under, but, so all around, you know, wonderful experience, that was my pure black joy. Yeah. And, <laughs> I
0: mean, and Haitian food is on the come, there was that, that dude on Top Chef, Gregory, yes, yes. oh, really? hmm and he won uh-huh. Restaurant Wars, that one, like, I guess it was the last All-Star season, cooking, um, Haitian recipes, like his family's Haitian recipes. I love that. I haven't yeah. seen either show.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: the next time you're on your way back from home and you decide to just <laughs> stop in Chicago for lunch, <laughs> as one does, then make sure you bring some Tupperware and bring I some back to
1: work. Will please. please because you know they had the catering menu with the big family style mm-hmm. pans and whatnot, and you know it's six hours I think between here and Chicago. That's all right for the fridge time, freezer time. I think that's we'll fine. make especially it happen, especially in the winter. If there you're we coming go. back from the holidays. There we go. I mean, yeah. We
3: have nothing <laughs> but winter, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just enjoy the summer. <laughs> you've
0: got, you've got like, two weeks. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to do us for this week. Yeah. A special announcement. I have an announcement to make. Oh we're going to switch to Mondays after this episode. So we will not be back in two weeks, we will be back in two weeks and three days. Woo-hoo! And we will be starting your week off rather than your weekend off with Pure Black Joy. Mm-hmm. So just look out for that. If you don't see us on Friday in two weeks, don't get mad. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We'll be right back to make your
1: Monday morning commute better. Yes. Oh, that's
0: and like, you know, one thing that you can do... <laughs> One thing you can do with those extra three days is you can make sure that you subscribe and write a review, leave a five-star review. Whoever left that one-star review, we don't need that. (laughs) (laughs) And we don't care. And whoever left that three-star review, okay. But also... Stop. <laughs> <laughs>
3: like, what the hell? <laughs> uh,
0: but the 12 of you that left five-star reviews, we love you and thank you. Thank and you. we would love some more of those. So uh-huh. rate, review, subscribe.
1: Send us mail.
0: Send us mail at the score at mnopera.org. And uh, make sure that you're sharing us with all of your yeah, friends. Tell
2: your little friends about us. We are fun. <laughs> your little friends. Your little, little friends. <laughs> <laughs> but we're fun,
0: and we don't bite, usually. Usually. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's it for us. Any words of wisdom? <laughs> <laughs> well i'm just happy that we're all back in the same place and we're all safe so everyone stay safe if you're not vaccinated please go do that please, please okay. go
3: These do diseases that are not again oh my
0: god and we will see you in two weeks and three days bye Bye,